0: Welcome to the Strength Rehab Podcast. Join your hosts, Raul Axmayer and Brandon Parker, as they discuss the latest information regarding the health and fitness industries. Topics include sports performance, physical rehab, and of course, general health. Remember, this is the podcast where science meets
1: practice. And we're live, Parker's voice. And we're live.
0: All right. So I, I figured because we don't really have a lot of topics to talk about, we can just go back to the one thing that I keep asking myself is most of the time when I have clients come to me, their very first goal is I want to lose X amount of pounds. And we always talk about how simple it is when it comes to losing weight is just simply Reducing the amount of calories that you are consuming. Um, but most people fail. And my question to you, Raul, is why do you think most people end up failing their
1: their goal? From my experience, I believe it's due to the fact that they go from zero to 100 real quick. So instead of trying to crash diet and cut your calories by 500 every day, um, I always recommend small changes. For example, if you're eating 80, 20, ground beef, eat 93.7. You get the same amount of volume, less total calories. Uh, instead of drinking whole milk, drink fat-free milk, or instead of drinking coffee with lots of sugars, drink black coffee, do more steps, um, stuff like that. But if you're, if you're Gen Pop and you're not used to doing anything and you try really hard, you'll probably go for a couple months, but then it's going to be impossible for you to keep doing that. So if you do small baby steps, change stuff that's easier to change rather than to drastically decrease your calories, then you're going to be more prone. But I believe it's due to too soon to, yeah, too soon. Yeah. Trying too hard.
0: When it it comes down to it, I always think about it like whether you're trying to gain weight or lose weight, it all has to be just simplistic changes that you like, like a lifestyle you're already doing. We're just going to change one thing. And that one thing is just going to compound over the long period of time. And if you want that thing to change faster, you just make either more meaningful swaps or you just make more swaps. Right. And the the least amount of swaps you make, the more seamlessly it'll be added to your lifestyle. And before you know it, you step on the scale and then you text Raul and saying, holy shit, guess how heavy I am. Because Raul and I happen to both be gaining weight at this time, and I didn't even realize that I put on about six, seven pounds until I just randomly stepped on the scale today. So I'll tell tell you guys what I did to gain weight. But first, Raul, what have
1: you been doing to gain the weight that you've gained? So contrary to what you did that you just randomly weighed yourself, I weigh myself every single morning after going to the restroom just because I like to keep track of it um, and the average, right? Um so I started I actually lost a couple pounds back home in vacation. So when I started the rotation I was I was at one thirty-five. So it was a light. Um right now I weighed into day one forty two, so that's seven pounds in around ten weeks. So a little bit more than half a pound per week. Mm-hmm. Um and I literally did not change the food choices that I make. I just ate the same thing but more. For example, if one of my staple meals was rice, lots of veggies, and some lean meat, instead of cooking one cup of rice, I cooked a cup and a half. Uh, That was one of the biggest changes, and number two, I added a shit ton of fruits. Right now, every single day, I eat two bananas, two apples, and three mandarins. So there alone, I have a lot of calories and a lot of micronutrients, because I'm trying to gain weight, but strategically doing it slow, And trying to eat healthy. Um, And I know that health is relative, but I like to eat better quality foods rather than just a dirty bulk where I eat hamburgers and fries. But yeah. Right. um, That's the nutrition side of things. Obviously eating high protein and then the training. I've been training very systematically and harder and smarter than before. I've been tracking the workouts and whatnot. But yeah, that's what I've been doing. What about you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't even plan to gain weight, like, systematically. I was just like, all right, I'm going to start eating a little bit more, see where my lifts will go. Basically, letting my lifts tell me if I'm eating too much or too little. Uh, There's times where, like, I'm just overeating. And then my, my lifts just go to shit. Like I feel like garbage. The I don't even want to be in the gym. So I was kind of going off of intuition um, just because I didn't have like a hard set goal, right? If anybody's looking for a specific goal and they have like a timeline that they have to hit it by, you need to be systematically weighing yourself, you know, being more strategic with what you're doing. Uh, for me, I'm just kind of winging it as Raul knows that I'm going to be going into a, like a garage gym setup soon where I won't have a lot of weight available to me. So that being said, right now, I'm just trying to lift as heavy as possible, like get my rocks off. So uh, because once I'm home, I'm stuck with 50 pound dumbbells. So um, but yeah, I I completely agree. It's, It's as simple as just eating a little bit more than you're already eating. Um, If you already have a diet that's relatively healthy or relatively covering all your nutritional basis, Uh, that being said, if you are that type of person that, you know, looks back on their diet and it's not that great, then maybe if you're, let's say you're trying to lose weight, the first thing you should be trying to attack is, is do you have any trans fats in your diet? take your trans fats out almost immediately. One, it's calories you don't need. And two, they they're they can be inflammatory, right? So there's that. Then would you agree that the next step in this, if we had to do like a priority list, would probably be like attack the excessive saturated fats?
1: 100%, yeah. Definitely, I would decrease the amount of saturated fat. If you're an American, you probably eat a lot of it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. try to keep it at less than 10% off your total calories coming from saturated fat, which is not hard yeah. to do. No, it's not. You know, and
0: like at first I, I realized I was eating a lot of saturated fat just because a lot of my a lot of my protein comes from meat. Right. And uh, one of the quick uh, switches that I made was instead of eating a pound of, of meat a day, I just kind of just start to utilize lentils, beans, um, other sources like plant based f- sources for protein. Yes, it's not as. Um, I guess it's not best when comparative to like whey protein and other complete sources of protein. But at the end of the day, I do care about my long-term health and eating a pound of beef isn't necessarily the pinnacle of health. And also
1: (laughs) something that can help is because a lot of the dairy and the cheese has a high amount of saturated fat. So what I do is I always go for the either very low fat or no fat milk and I go for the lower fat cheese. Still has a lot mm-hmm. of protein and it has less saturated fat because there are some cheese out there. They have like six grams of saturated fat per slice. And if you eat two, well, you've you've got 12, which is kind of a lot for a meal, especially in two slices of cheese. So it's just, sure. once again, those small swaps, easy swaps that you can do that can have a big impact in the long term.
0: Yeah. And and not to mention, like, you know, the the lower fats you get, typically speaking, you're taking out the lactose, right? So if you have a problem with dairy or like you're lactose intolerant to an extent, these lower fat sources are going to help you digest it. Now, if you're lactose intolerant, stay the hell away from all this stuff. Nobody wants to smell you if you're shitting your pants at work. But at the end of the day, if like, you know, dairy doesn't really agree with me, quote unquote. Yeah. Go for the lower uh, fat sources. And most likely the lactose is going to be reduced dramatically and you might be able to tolerate much more of the consumption of it. But yeah, I think we, we haven't really covered our, that we, cause you know, we always talk about like just eat a little bit more, so on and so forth, cause we want to keep it as simple as possible. But what if we had that client that came in yeah. and their diet was an absolute fucking train wreck? So I really wanted to cover that, you know? Yeah.
1: This is something we've never covered on the podcast. We've Talked about it a bit on Instagram on some posts, but never on the podcast. And this is way better because we can go back and forth, give more details, share our examples and whatnot.
0: You know, when when I'm trying to gain weight, the one thing that I try to stay away from is like meats that are chewy or anything, anything that's like chewy, you know, because like the last thing you want to do is be chewing on something and you're full. You know, you're just like like you're just working on more food to swallow. You almost feel like a cow, like eating like like grass. Yeah, <laughs> like like
1: I told you a couple of hours before, I see food and I'm disgusted because I just feel like way full twenty four seven. And right now, I'm super full and I, and I have to eat my last meal at around eight thirty. And I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm still super full, and I need to eat like seven hundred more calories. Oh, it's it's bad. Um, it's tough. And I was doing the caption for tomorrow's post, which is going to be about this topic as well. Um, and I honestly believe that losing fat is way easier than gaining mm-hmm. uh, quality muscle and quality weight because you just put down the fork and that's it. You call it a day and some hunger is fine. But when you're not hungry and you got to eat, that's really tough.
0: It struggles. I mean, in like, yeah, you know, to your point, like, if I'm losing weight and I actually feel a little bit hungry, there's other things that you can do to distract the mind from hunger, right? Like, we know that exercise alone is going to decrease your sensation of hunger, right? You, I mean, I guess it. In in on the other end of things, is if you yeah. exercise, you probably yeah. could be more hungry. Yeah. But I don't know, man. There's been times where I beat my body to absolute. I beat, I beat my body down. They're still like, nah, I'm not going to eat that. Yeah. <laughs> I, and, I really don't. And eat.
1: also, once again, small swabs uh, like caffeine, it, it'll suppress your appetite. Um, mm-hmm. No calorie, uh, like diet soda and stuff. So, yeah, there's lots of things that you can do uh, to suppress hunger. But yeah, eating without an appetite is, is tough.
0: Another big thing, I don't know if we directly talked about, we talk about all the time outside of the podcast is like another smart swap. Instead of using sprays like you were using, we can utilize olive oil. Olive oil is like what? 120 calories for like a tablespoon or two tablespoons. So like you can definitely start packing on the pounds there because I mean, you're more systematically doing this. How many, how, what is your surplus currently? Do you know?
1: I don't know because I've, this is something that I was also talking with uh, another guy Cause I I just tracked too much uh, in the past years, and you can it, it can affect your mental health. You're basically dependent on it, and if you cannot track something when you're out with friends, you're like, oh my gosh, how much calories am I eating? So I'm just that's why I'm weighing in myself, um, mm-hmm. just so that I have an idea. And if I'm gaining way too fast, I'll just decrease the calories a bit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I am estimating that it's at around three hundred to 400. Um, Surplus definitely not 500 because once again, I'm trying to do this very wisely and I'm trying to gain very minimal fat. So I'm on the lower end, like around half a pound per week and I've I've shifted so far, so we'll see how it goes. But if I had to guess, probably around three to 400
0: it makes sense. I mean, given given how much you put on in about 10 weeks, I would put you around that surplus as
1: well. Um, yeah, and, and I don't recommend like big surpluses to anybody.
0: No. No, it's not good for anything. You put on a lot of fat, you feel miserable, you you like you just ruin your relationship with food. And exactly. I've done that before because with being a football player, you have to be a certain amount of weight and you the heavier you are the more you can move somebody, right? And like there's been times where it's just like I'm just pounding food and just like I said earlier, I felt like garbage and it just – your body doesn't know what to do with it, right? So yeah, it doesn't work out for anybody. Just start now and start slow, you know?
1: Yeah, I was going to say something and I just lost it. What was it? And it was a good point. Don't remember. But yeah, um, (laughs) oh man, it'll come back. It'll come back. So what else? What are, Okay, so how
0: is your, how's your training? I mean, I'm assuming your training hasn't really changed, but are you trying to drive more of a
1: stimulus because now you have more of a energy surplus? So at around six weeks ago, I started going five days per week, um, mm-hmm. but it took a, a toll on my body. So I started again at four times per week last week. So I did five days per week for only five weeks. Um, I started feeling some aches and pains because obviously the volume was higher. Um, and I could get the same amount of volume or the amount of volume that I need by going four days. Yes. So I'm sticking to four days. I do upper, lower. um, And on every day, I finish with three sets of biceps and triceps. So I basically hit arms four times per week and then upper and lower nice. body twice per week. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm feeling stronger. Obviously, if you're in a surplus, you <laughs> probably will feel stronger. So that's a good thing. You hit... Uh, a lot of PRs. I don't do one or ramps or shit like that, but volume PRs, what I call volume PRs, like wrapping the dumbbell presses for X amount of reps. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I currently do like, I, it sounds like a lot, but it's not, it's not a lot. Eight, eight exercises per, per workout. For mm-hmm. example, today I had an upper day and it's. Two exercises for chest, shoulders, back, and one for biceps and triceps. So, yeah, I'm keeping it simple. Big compound moves, and I'm and I'm in love with some machines at the gym.
0: You know, this brings up a good question because uh, a lot of. I see a lot of people add exercises just because they're following some sort of template in their head. Like, for example, like when we talk to newbies, we're like, ah, I mean, if you want to keep it simple, just make sure you cover your bases, push, pull, hinge, carry, blah, 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 blah." right? And that, that's not the end all be all. We both know that. But if we're just talking about a newbie, you fucking stare at a dumbbell, you're going to get bigger. So at least just cover your bases, learn those movements, because every other movement kind of stems from that, uh, f- that pattering, right, a movement. So that's why we always say start there, figure stuff out. Um, but a big thing is as you begin to progress through your your training career, you got to start understanding that some exercises is just straight up junk volume. Right. Um, I have my own thought process on how like maybe you can go about uh, like systematically saying, all right, this exercise kind of sucks. I don't really need it. But I was just curious, do you have a way that you kind of figure out like, ah, this is too much exercise, too much volume, so on and so forth?
1: Definitely. Um, And with experience, I just go with how I feel because you know when you're doing something and you're getting no stimulus. And in fact, it's detrimental. And the opposite is also true. Uh, I, I believe it was last week I had programmed four sets of dumbbell chest press, but I got such a great stimulus that by set number three, my chest was just on fire and it was fried. So I'm like, you know what? Doing an extra set will probably not be that great because I'm already feeling a stimulus that I haven't felt before in a long time. So I'm keeping it there. So I just think that Mm -hmm. with experience, I mean, if you're pushing through an exercises and you just have to take a lot of momentum and it looks ugly and you're not feeling the burn or whatever, or you feel like you can go like, if we're talking about a lateral raise and you can't raise your arm 30 degrees or something, why don't you just stop? You're not getting any further stimulus, but I just go with how I feel, man, honestly.
0: That's a great point. I mean, you know, and so we can always talk about like when you're looking at your training, um, like in hindsight, if you feel like you're having more aches and pains, that's one way of looking at overall volume overload. And then inside the training cycle, I agree. Like if you're like in an exercise, if you're feeling like it's hitting hard, I mean, for example, let's say I only have three sets three sets of one exercise planned, let's say I have two chest exercises in one training day, that first one, I'm hitting a beautiful stimulus, right? But like by set three, I'm not entirely gassed. I might even just scrap the second chest workout and just take this exercise for six sets or whatever it might take me, right? Um, I like to tell like when you're a newbie, you can recover so fast. And I I wouldn't say this for every exercise, but just take it to failure you know what i'm saying understand what failure is because a lot of times like if i mean the bodybuilders in back in the golden era had an idea right yeah. like there's like we're just going to take this muscle beat the ever living shit out of it. And then I'm going to eat a lot, wake up the next day and hopefully do it again. If it's sore, I give it another day. Then repeat. I mean, we try to make it really hard with all this volume and sciencey stuff. And when you're trying to be a top level athlete, you need to understand how to load a manage. But when you're, when you're fresh out of the boat, man, like just go after and figure it out.
1: You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And and the more experience you have, the more you're going to figure out that there are some exercises that are great for you. For example, for me, I know that people say uh, that oh, you need to do incline chest press because the majority of your chest is upper blah blah. Uh, I do not like the 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 stimulus that I get from it, and I have a way better stimulus from a f- for from a flat um bench press. So that's what I do, and I've been sticking to it for honestly two plus years. I've never changed the dumbbell press for my workout, never, because you don't need that whole BS of confusing muscles and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I would say find out what exercises you get a good stimulus from and just stick to them. doesn't matter. You don't got to change them every four or eight weeks. If you get a good stimulus and you haven't plateaued, just keep doing it. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: That's a good point, though. Let's let's dive on that a little bit deeper because a lot of people might ask you as to why you haven't changed it out. Because, for example, it's great for you, but maybe somebody burns out on it for three to four weeks into it, and they should change. So, what are the markers that you were looking for that you would say, "Okay, it's time to change this exercise," or "No, I'm good. Let's keep riding the
1: stimulus out." So, I would say if you feel a good pump, a good stimulus, a good burn you probably shouldn't change it because you can risk changing an exercises from which you get a great stimulus to a new one where you won't get the same amount of tension or stimulus. So that's one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you feel like you've been doing it and you haven't progressed either in reps um, or weight or whatever, and you've been stuck for like a couple of weeks, two, three, four weeks, then it might be a great idea to change it out for a bit, try something different And come back to it. Uh, So if you're not progressing, if you're not getting the same amount of stimulus or tension that you used to get with the exercises, that's also a good um, excuse to to change it. Uh, Those are the first two that come to mind. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, if it's causing you some sort of pain or ache, uh, there's also better options always. Um, And I think that the beauty of this is that there are no must exercises for hypertrophy. Okay. Like <clears throat> exercises just, and we've said this before, they just set a certain amount of tension on the target tissue. And there are a million different ways that you can place tension on a tissue. So you don't got to get married <clears throat> to a single exercise and there are no like must do exercises for hypertrophy or anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: What about you? When would you change uh, an exercise?
0: I mean, you pretty much nailed it. I, I think that the connection to the weight is probably the biggest uh, marker for a lot of reasons in the sense that like you can tell that you're over fatigued or, you know, you overloaded yourself or maybe the exercise is just not doing the what you needed to do by just your connection to the weight. Like maybe your grip is weak. Maybe you're just not really feeling that type of squeeze that you felt through weeks, one through, whatever. Um, the the one point that I want to bring up is is – There is a solid one to, depending on your expertise level, let's just say a month, if you're pretty new to a movement where you're just learning, you're just learning how to do the movement. And, and to your point, there's no real point to, uh, there's no real point. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's 645, everybody. Um, there's no real point for you to change up exercises when you're a newbie, because the way you perform an exercise when you're new is going to look vastly different from rep to rep. Have you ever seen somebody do a dumbbell flat, they look like a newborn deer. (laughs) It might as well be a different goddamn exercise. So, you know, when it comes to like being new, you're probably going to feel that stimulus or that connection to the weight, as long as you don't overdo it for a very long time. You know, Um, but the, the day that you're not getting the results or you no longer feel like it's worth it, switch that puppy out. That being said. Uh, how you switch it out, if it's bodybuilding, as, as Raul mentioned, it could be a lot of different things. Now, let's if it's sport-specific, now let's see if we can deviate slightly from that movement as little as possible and start getting the same stimulus as we did before. Because at the end of the day, the more specific you are to the goal you're trying to achieve, the more likely you're going to be able to knock it
1: out of the park. Yep. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so... And I, I believe there's not a right or wrong way to go about this uh, and there are multiple good ways or correct ways to go about it. And every coach has a different preference and whatnot. Um, And yeah, I just wanted to say that because everybody thinks, oh, what's a perfect program or what's a perfect split? Uh, Well, there does not exist a perfect program or split. Any program will work if you're consistent
0: Exactly. And that's a great point. Everybody sees things slightly differently when they're in the fitness space, but they all abide by the same principles. And if any coach, if any coach says that their way is the best way and they're just abiding by principles as everybody else, then they're just selling you the Brooklyn Bridge, you know? Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> And everybody will program differently. Um, I mean, you and I, we work together. We program very similarly, but there are still differences. For example, mm-hmm. if, on my upper days, for example, I if I have two chest exercises, 90% of the time, one of the exercises is a press, and the other one mm-hmm. is a fly, whether it, it's a mm-hmm. dumbbell fly or a cable fly or machine fly. I just like that combination. I go heavier on the presses yeah. and I go higher up more volume on the flies. And I love that. Same with the back. I do one vertical row and one horizontal row. Um, so yeah. I, I think we all have our preferences and that's just my preference. And it doesn't mean that it's the only way, but I just find it really successful and really good.
0: You know, and another thing is, is if when you get a coach in this space, it's not about learning the most optimal way. It's just them helping you shorten or less like less steepen, like, you know, how how do you say that? Just make the learning curve not as steep. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Um, They're your mentor. They're trying to say, hey, I made all these mistakes don't waste your goddamn time this is the funnel of of knowledge i want you to learn from me and then once you finish up with learning all this stuff you are going to be years ahead of what you would have been if you try to figure all this stuff out yourself that's what a coach does it's not hey i'm gonna i'm gonna pull you along for four weeks take a couple pictures hey you look great see you later if you want more pay for me more that doesn't make any sense like at the end of the day coaches should be mentors and teachers
1: and if you have a good coach his It's going to teach you the why behind everything that you do. It's not only Mm -hmm. sending you, hey, here's a spreadsheet, do these exercises, report back to me. Like, no, you have to know why so that you can eventually do it by yourself.
0: The, the one thing that I do is with my clients, I tell them up front, I go, look, I, I know that this is new to you um, and this could be like a change of pace. If there's a like a kind of planned end date with me, like if you already in your head say like, I just want to be with you for two months, pick up what I can, so on and so forth, let me know. The last two weeks, you are going to do the programming. I'm going to come into the the spreadsheet Look at it. We're going to get on the phone to each other, and you're going to explain to me why you picked every single one of these exercises, because at the end of the day, anybody can throw like exercises and reps and all that into a spreadsheet. But only people that truly understand what they're doing have a why behind it. And hopefully you as a coach has prepared them for this moment. So during those two weeks, you just go looks great. So it's going to be the easiest two weeks a
1: coach has, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. So that's that's a good point
0: yeah it's it's, and that's what i always try to tell people and like you know i mean fuck i'm on a podcast right so like i always tell people like please if i'm just if i'm giving you too much for what you want tell me to shut up but at the end of the day i want to give you so much information like i i mark my value on as how much information i can give you in this time period yeah you know but um what else what else we got
1: man i'm forgetting stuff
0: it's it's okay. I'm the one that I keep ch- I keep chatting and distracting you. It's all my hand signals and oh, beautiful oh, face. Oh,
1: now I I remember. Uh, and the same thing applies for hypertrophy, for rehab, for everything. But I kind of let my clients do part of the program indirectly because on my questionnaire I ask what type of exercises do you enjoy doing, and we're gonna we're gonna program them. <laughs> and I also ask what type of exercises do you hate doing. And you're not going to do them. Because the last thing that I want is, for example, if I love lunges and somebody hates them, if I don't know that they hate them and I program, the, program it for them, they're not going to enjoy it. So that's also a thing. If you're a coach, just ask, or if you're a clinician, ask your patient or your client, however you want to name it, what they like doing and what they don't like doing so that you don't commit the mistake of programming something that they absolutely hate doing.
0: That just brought up a good point. Um, you know, I have a client who, who like, I basically do the same thing. You know, at the end of the day, force feeding exercises is absolutely pointless. Um, he's a rehab client, and um, he's avoiding, so, like, I asked him these questions, and he's like, oh, I hate so-and-so exercises, and these exercises were in direct relationship to his injury. And I had to sit there and talk to him saying, do you understand? Well, at first I asked, like, why do you hate these exercises? Well, I feel like I feel terrible. I have sciatica go down my leg. It's like, OK, well, do you understand that if you just avoid these exercises for the end of all time, it's only going to progressively get worse, if anything. Right. And I had explained to him. And then that opened up the door to allow me to say, let's start a ground zero, Here's some tensioning exercises. We're just going to put a little bit of tension into this area. Let's see how you adapt. And thank God he didn't flare up because I already had only a little bit of sliver of confidence. Like he was just like, all right, I don't know if I should be doing this, but I'm going to let you do it. And thank God it worked out. But in that circumstance, I I wanted to bring this up because I almost had to face it with this client is our exercise selection for our clients and patients is never going to be perfect. Yeah. You know? Everybody adapts completely different. If I, mean, it, I gave this person a very simple tensioning exercise, well, if he was deconditioned enough, sensitive enough, or so on and so forth, he could have flared up. And it's my job. To forewarn them, set expectations and say, you could flare up. This this is what it means. Don't freak out. Yeah. And if I didn't do that, they're just going to immediately think, this guy is a complete quack. He's making me do stuff that's hurting me. So on, you know, I, I'm stuck with this guy for the next month. And like now now it's an awkward conversation for the next three
1: weeks. I, I always you know? tell my clients, um, hey, flare ups are, ex- are expected and you can be almost sure that they will happen. Maybe it's not this week or this month, but maybe in a couple months. So be prepared for it because, in my opinion, they're they're great. I, I see flare-ups kind of positively because it gives you a chance to put into practice self-management strategies. So, mm-hmm. by the way, Shameless Blog, we offer consults and coaching. So if you need something, hit Strength Rehab up. And now we continue with the episode.
0: in ad in ad podcast (laughs) you know joe rogan does that now like so like everybody was skipping his like because he front-loaded all his stuff in the very beginning now what he does because everybody is skipping it is he sneaks them into the uh podcast and it'll just randomly like hit like in the middle of it smart I mean, it, it, you know, like if, if I'm paying as much money as I would be paying to get on Joe Rogan's uh, ad list, I better hope that people aren't just skipping through yeah. it, you know? So I guess that it was a smart move on his end. But yeah, like when it comes to the people flaring up... um Another, you know, it's a great point to practice symptom modification. And it's also a great, um, like, you know, let's say we chat, we chat with them and then they say like, literally nothing has changed. My stress is the same. My sleep is the same. My food is the same. And, but at the end of the day, now you isolated all these variables. Most likely we can start pinpointing like, okay, maybe I just gave you way too much volume. Let's just take, let's take some of the sets down. Let's take this exercise out. Let's see how you adapt. And, and that's another a reference point that we can utilize to create a better program tailored to our patients needs and wants.
1: Yeah. And also programming for rehab and pain and injuries is different than programming for hypertrophy. because um, you're gonna do way less volume. You don't need a lot. Right. Not at
0: all. You referring you're referring to rehab, correct? Yeah. 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 yeah it's I mean different outcomes right yeah, they you know exactly. one, one's kind of like desensitization preparing you for the you know the the thing that got you injured in the first place the other one's just like let's get you yoked yeah exactly helpful <laughs> you
1: know
0: um i guess like the last thing we can we can kind of touch upon is um i guess like exercise select not exercise selection but like rep schemes right i was kind of think about it today where all, all reps, like we already talked about rep continuum. It's all about proximity to failure at this point, unless we find out something else um, I kind of thought to myself, like, well, if it's all about proximity of failure and, you know, aside from we're just talking about putting on muscle, no real like goal here, like the ability to execute an exercise that solicits the highest contraction, like at, at, like at rep one, it's probably irreplaceable when it comes to like being like super successful and putting on tissue fast, you know, like that's, I was kind of thinking today. Cause like, you know, there's, there's some exercises that it takes me about five reps, six reps into the set, depending on what I'm doing. And I'm like, all right, now I'm starting to feel the build up. You know, that now it's starting to get hard. Now I'm reaching RPE six through 10, like that type of thing. But it's just like, what if i like modified my my maybe my biomechanics or the weight i'm using so on and so forth where like it's like rep number 2 i'm 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 Feeling hitting it again. like it's hard you know what i'm saying i was just trying to think to myself like maybe maybe i just need to start putting my my pedal to the metal here and see where it takes me i feel like i've been yeah. taking
1: it off a little bit and and now that we're talking about rep ranges um yeah, you can build muscle at any rep range, but I'm biased towards working kind of on every single rep range. I program six to uh, from the rep range of six or five to 10 heavier, and I also program from the rep range of 10 to 20 uh, lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's preliminary evidence. There's nothing great yet, but I think there's a merit to training both rep ranges, both high and lower rep range.
0: Which, what's your thought process behind
1: covering your bases there? I mean, obviously, we can get into the details of cellular metabolism and all of that. The pump is a different mechanism than tension from lower rep range. But I I still mm-hmm. like to maintain strength. And even mm-hmm. though, yes, you can technically maintain strength by working out with moderate uh, um loads, I think it's way better with higher loads. Um, and it's also more time efficient because if you're doing 30 reps on every single set, yeah, that's going to take you a long time. I prefer to work yeah. 6, 8, 10 reps and it takes me less time. Um, but it's just personal preference. I like to cover my bases, for example, for arms, I aim more towards the 10 to 20 because if you do 6 yeah. uh, six reps for arms, like what are you even doing? <laughs> um, it, it all depends.
0: Yeah, I I was I was I would agree with you. I mean, I was thinking to myself, like, I always like to cover my basis until like even like if the rock hard rock hard, whether if the science was there or not. Like, I just think that when it comes to selecting exercises, there is always going to be like a rep range that's kind of ideal for that exercise. For me, like I can't do anything below if, I, if I'm in the eight reps for like any type of uh, extension or or curl, I, I get achy tendons. You know what I'm saying? Like it just kind of starts getting down that path of like I'm overloading too much where <clears throat> if I just stay in the 10 to 12 range, I can I can just drive volume and be fine with it. And, and like, you know, I just kind of think that by covering your basis, but also selecting a rep range that kind of fits the exercise selection that you like to do, it's not only going to be more ideal with you when it comes to preference but i think that you can drive more output yeah. you know and now go ahead no as i'm saying like like for example like as you were mentioned earlier chest chest fly i mean i'm not going to do five reps on chest fly. yeah exactly I, i'm, I'm going to really get some blood in there i'm really going to make sure the contractions it almost hurting you yeah. know um but you also you're not gonna really skip me if i ever go back on the bench press like barbell bench press you're not going to catch me do anything under shit 12 seems like a lot now like you know i'm saying like i'm sorry you wouldn't see me do anything over you know so like i'll probably just stick in maybe the five to eight range because i think the barbell's used for strength it's better you know that's how i see it um but yeah i just kind of like that should be informing your decisions
1: yeah something that i've been playing around with is high rep pre-exhaustion uh, leg extensions before my main leg uh, quad dominant movement. And I'm loving it. I'm working in the 15 to 20 rep range in the leg extensions before hopping into the leg press or the rear foot elevated split squats. And I get an amazing stimulus from the compound after doing the pre-exhaustion. So that's something mm-hmm. that people can also try. I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. I do the same thing for my hamstring dominant day, I pump out a lot of leg curls, a high rep, and then I move to heavy RDLs and I'm loving it.
0: Gotcha. And then I'm assuming this is going to not only bring you closer to a proximity failure because you're making it fatigued, but I'm assuming you're getting a great pump out of exactly.
1: it Exactly. Well. Yeah. I'm getting a great pump. And once I'm done with the leg curls and I move on to the RDLs, my hamstrings are already super warmed up, and I'm feeling them. So the mind-muscle mm-hmm. connection is there. And when I do the first rep of the RDLs, I'm like, yep, I'm feeling it. Rather than if I yeah. do the RDL first, uh, it takes around six reps to really feel the stretch in the hamstrings.
0: Right. Same right. thing with the leg,
1: yeah. leg extensions. I do them, and rep one from the leg press, I'm, psh, boom, I'm already feeling it. Yeah.
0: And there you go. So like, you know, just to to draw the comparison here, the contrast here, it would be like, okay, that's beautiful for putting on tissue. Maybe not the most optimal if we're talking about driving a stimulus to be stronger at the squat, right? And of course, you know that I'm just, you know, when it comes to people listening, it's like, there you go. There is your exercise selection. There is your programming and exercise order, all differing because of two separate goals, you know? Exactly
1: and yeah uh, doing isolation movements before a compound movement it's not great for strength but we're not talking about strength here we're talking about hypertrophy and if if doing those higher rep movements before a compound help you have a better mind muscle connection and a better pump then why not right it's hypertrophy right. at the end right. of the day right because you see people preaching, oh, you got to do squats, the compounds, and then the isolation. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do the opposite.
0: Right. You, I, you know, speaking of squats, um, I've been having, I thought it was patellar pain, uh, like, like uh, patellar tendon pain. But I'm starting to think that like, all right. So when I was doing those exercise uh, science powerlifting studies, I was getting like a really deep, sharp pain in my shin compartment at the bottom of the squat and this is like when I was doing, uh, I don't know. It was probably like four 15, for reps. Um, and like I was using converse for my squat shoes. Cause you know, you have to use converse. Yeah. Um, and I, I have, I have, shit ankle dorsiflexion so like i was just kind of like cr- i was crashing into the bottom of the squat kind of using that rebound effect to get out but you know it started to catch out catch up to me and i started to get these really gross i wouldn't say like shin splints but it was like conditional shin splints where if i got into that bottom squat position i would get that really deep searing pain in my right uh shin compartment and i started to get it again and I now what I've been doing is like uh, tib anterior exercises, just to kind of like desensitize the area, and it's actually been doing well. So I guess like any clinicians out there, what I would say is anecdotal evidence here. If if somebody's dealing with some knee pain and you're noticing that it whatever movement that's that they're complaining about requires deep dorsiflexion, check out the tib anterior or at least the shin complex because holy shit, man, two, this is my third weekend of just like, just basically bringing that area to failure and it remedied it. Remedied it. So whatever it did, I feel great. So. Also,
1: Two things. Yeah. Uh, the pre-exhaustion method also works for rehab. Um, We had, we had a, cli- a client, but he was dealing, he was dealing with some rear delt pain squatting. And I don't know if you remember, but we programmed, uh, a crap ton of, sh- uh, of face pulls before squats. Right. And guess what? pre exhaustion work, no no pain during squats. So that's something you can also keep in mind uh, when it comes to rehab programming. Um, and now that you mentioned the shin splints, I've been dealing with some nasty triceps tendinopathy and it mm-hmm. sucks. I know it's tendon-related mm-hmm. pain. And I'm trying not to think about it. It's still not limiting me a lot but i've been having to modify stuff even carrying grocery bags it's annoying and i'm like oh man really? this can't be true this can't be true this can't be happening really yeah and every overhead thing really really hurts shoulder flexion with um elbow extension uh-huh yeah
0: yeah it's it's my <laughs> left out el- my left elbow gets real cranky real fucking cranky if i Like start really cranking out the um, the overhead extensions and stuff like that. Um, You know, I guess this is completely off topic. Uh, Did I ever tell you about like I was doing like like on chest day I would do I just called it like the ladder. You would start at like forty five degrees and then you go to like thirty degrees and then you go like twenty five and then you go to flat. And I was doing like four to five sets. (laughs) yeah this is in college where i literally all i was doing was eating and lifting and uh the only thing that was limiting me at that time so this shows you guys like i was such like a i would say a newbie or at least i was feeding myself enough that i was just just eating volume at this point but the thing that stopped me was i would get a rear delt cramp in the middle of the set to the point where like it would it would hurt so bad but it's just kind of i thought to myself like it's interesting that I can eat all this volume, and the thing that I'm working isn't really the yep. one that's crying. It's it's the rear delt that's like a stabilizer during the
1: movement. What is crazy?
0: It is crazy. It is. I remember that shit. And Like people would like I would knowing me. This is back like before I you know I think I was like 18 at the time. I just had my gym partner just like hey yo know, just just jam your thumb <laughs> into it just, just and like well, get it to relax. I'd go into the next set and it would just cramp up again. Like ah uh, oh, fuck. It's funny. <laughs> oh man you know we've all been there right you got to go through like that see that is that is the 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 road less traveled where i would like to tell my client i did this don't do this you know let me teach you the reasons why you shouldn't however i do think there is merit there is merit traveling down that road you know what it's what I'm a learning
1: experience definitely
0: yeah but like you know god damn! But if me, i, I could yeah
1: idiot. if i could prevent it i will you know <laughs> Like I, at least they I know. always say, I wish that I had the knowledge that I currently have when I started lifting, because my favorite, my physique right now would be way different. I did not mm-hmm. um, take advantage, took advantage of the newbie gains, definitely not.
0: Oh man, the newbie gains, you know what? I one day, one day they're gonna figure out how we can. Well, actually, it's anabolic steroids. That's probably. <laughs> I was gonna Prince say they're gonna figure me. out a way to re get it, but, but I was like, no, scared to came up with that.
1: <laughs> it's done. At hashtag science.
0: All right, hashtag science. We ended up on that.
1: We have two questions on Instagram, real quick, before we finish. really that quick. Three, but one is a dumb question. Sorry if you hear this, free Willie. Uh, so Morgan asked, "Are there any situations where you would add mobility work in a rehab program, Parker?"
0: E, so mobility. So yeah, mobility are, I'm gonna go whatever. with. Oh, okay. All right. You know what? So be honest. Yeah. Yeah I'm, yeah. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna say this. All right. In a rehab program, there should always be a facet where we have a plan for symptom modification. And whatever that may be, like let's just say somebody's having issues with their shoulder, right? Do, do I give you a mobility program that's going to down regulate the symptoms that you're feeling so you can do the real work? Yes, 100%. Am I improving your mobility just to improve your mobility? No, I'm not. Now, that being said, another thing that we can talk about is what is mobility work, right? Because at the end of the day, if I'm in trying to, like say, I'm trying to improve your active external rotation, I can just do face pulls. Claro, um, is that mobility?
1: Lifting, baby.
0: Yeah. See what I'm saying? So yes, because it could be symptom modification. If we're just talking about kind of just like getting somebody moving and uh yes, if it's getting them back towards the goal that they're doing, if we're talking about mobility training, being expanding somebody's range of motion via a stimulus, that's actually worth something. If that makes sense. It does.
1: Did I hit that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. understandable. Yeah. Right, I feel, I kind of feel the same way. Um, I would only prescribe it as palliative movements, which is symptom modification and AKA. Um, if it feels good, definitely. For example, I love doing tactical frogs just because it feels really, really good in the groin area, AD doctor area. And, and I just do them because they feel good. Am I improving my mobility for squats? No, probably not, but who cares? It feels good, especially if you're dealing with some pain. Um, so yeah, if, mm-hmm. if patients or clients like it and if it makes them feel better, Definitely. But if not, I probably wouldn't. Yeah. Next question. What are your thoughts on floating heel rear foot elevated split squats for ankle strength slash stability? Huh?
0: It's floating rear foot elevated?
1: On floating heel RFESS, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I would say that it has to have a place and it has to have a a meeting and a goal. Because at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to drive a stimulus that's important enough to really tax the glute and the the quad. However, if you're looking for a big bang for your buck to kind of hit everything, but mainly just working on heel stability, um, then sure. I, I mean, but at the end of the day, if we're really trying to drive stimulus through the heel complex or calf or ankle complex i think there's better things that we can do and you don't have to tax the body so much to get the same stimulus if that makes sense yeah yeah um but you know i i've seen it i i think i i like it um but it has to be a time and a place and maybe an athlete some day down the road might fit that mold but it's a very specific mold to fit
1: yeah definitely would you agree yeah i agree and instead of trying a RFESS. You can try a front foot, elevated foot squat. Yeah, there's yeah, there's something on things. But I agree with what you said.
0: Yeah, I mean, like at the end of the day, like I think we both can come, you know, agree with this. Is like as long as the exercise makes sense and it fits the person's goal, and it's just not like arbitrary and overtaxing, that you would probably agree with it. As long as it's not the goddamn
1: Turkish get up, <laughs> I hate. I'll, I'll never prescribe it. <laughs>
0: I dude somebody's like oh you know the turkish get up like yeah he's like you want to show it to me I'm like i
1: probably I don't even know how it it to do it because i don't even know how to do it
0: it's like all right you just been do this is step 14 out of 15 and that's rep number one all right let's, let's
1: reverse it i now. find no value in it i mean there is value but i'm like nah there are better options
0: it's just like i like the argument is just like oh shoulder function in awkward situations overhead, that's it Yeah, it just like, yeah, there's a lot of things that you can do. And it's just, if if we're talking about how the body adapts specifically to the task you're doing, congratulations, you can perform a circus act very well. Oh, there's a shoe on your knuckle now. Holy shit. You know, (laughs) yeah, it's nonsense.
1: We got to put these questions
0: out earlier. Yeah,
1: the next question was (laughs) uh, crunchy versus creamy peanut butter from Free Willy. Definitely creamy. Free Willy. Creamy. You know, I'll tell you what. I I'm gonna go with creamy. Yeah. Um,
0: you know it's this is more of like a story. My mom for some reason thought I like crunchy. Oh. I, I, to the point where like she would always buy it, and I was just at the point where I was just like I'm just gonna eat it. I'm not gonna make a big deal out of it because she'll probably just go psycho on me. And there's just a point in time where like we're having a great conversation, casual. I'm like, hey, by the way, you like you know I I don't like crunchy peanut butter. was like I hate crunchy peanut butter i was just buying it because i thought you (laughs) liked it so there was like months of both of us eating crunchy peanut Uh, butter for no goddamn reason uh so yeah just confront your parents everybody if you have an issue with them
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, i i hate crunchy not it's just
0: it's texture that doesn't need to be there
1: yeah it's it's too much (laughs)
0: If I'm eating a peanut butter jelly sandwich and I and I'm chewing like chewing chewing chewing, like a crunch, I don't know. It's just too much, man. I I haven't had peanut butter in a while. I crave it.
1: Either I I don't
0: really. I love peanut butter, but it's just too much calories, man. What
1: are your What's your current um, diet look like? What are you eating,
0: dude? I'm a fucking caveman because I only have two burners. So um, I eat rice, a lot of rental lentils. You eat rental a lot of rice. Yeah. Rentals. Yeah. Lentils, rice, uh, a lot of steamed vegetables. Cause I could throw that in the microwave. No shame here. And I've been eating a lot of chicken because I have been putting on a lot of weight. I felt like I was putting a lot of weight. I can't like objectively say that, but my body just didn't feel right. And I was like, I need to, I need to start eating less fatty meats. Cause you know, I'm a ground beef type of guy. I like ground beef. Um, so I've been doing that and greek yogurt milk what else do i get my protein shake um but that's kind of it and then a bunch of just various fruits that are that are nice. on sale that week nice. you know uh, a, a big staple fruit that's always cheap is banana i know it's high in calorie but who cares it takes it's so good. 69 cents a pound man so come good. on yeah. you know but there is time so like i'll tell you what this is my mentality it's not the best mentality to have i need to fix it is um let's say it's friday night or like it's it's the weekend and I don't want to do anything, right? Like, I will go for the most convenient food. Thank God I don't have, like, junk food in the house because I know how I am, but that just kind of comes up to me eating, like, six bananas oh, and a oh, bunch oh, of Greek yogurt. Oh, yeah. Bro, like, I'll just look at myself like, what are you doing? Just go make the chicken that you have That's defrosted. Bad. What you you, caveman? But, um you know, I just, I know my mentality and yes, I could improve upon it, but I think it's like, before you go up this uphill battle to improve or change a lifestyle like thing, a habit, like how about you just make it very hard for you to perform that yeah. habit? <laughs> you know, it's much easier. It's less stress in my life. Uh, I'll eat my goddamn six bananas if I want. Shut hey, up. That's you better know?
1: than McDonald's or something. So
0: right i I just feel like a you know gorillas are big you know they're pretty jacked all they do is eat grass and bananas and stuff what's your target weight buddy wait i'm you know it's 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 winter coming up so i think i'm just gonna trend upwards to 50 see bro if i got to 250 i would be a brick (laughs) shit house are you kidding me my knees would probably explode i was i was 220 when i was an undergrad going to the practice squad for USF? um I didn't feel great then, but maybe. Why well, did I dirty bulk the fuck out of that dude? I was eating pizza like every day. Yeah,
1: now it's different. <laughs> it's a healthy diet. Let's walk together. I kind of yeah. Do to twenty.
0: I, I'm slowly do it. Uh, let's see. Let's see. I'm already at. I told you two o eight today. Two o eight. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. We'll see what happens. I'm gonna slowly pizza. eat more. But the thing is i'm not gonna i'm not if I don't get those weights I have on Craigslist coming my way or Facebook marketplace, I'm not gonna bulk dude I'll just get fat like' this, like I'm not exercising, so it's all dependent on if I score those weights at yeah, sweet. I reached out to them i I was just super like I was like, hey uh, I'm super interested, uh, but I can't get them until this time. I'm a college yeah. student, please, please, <laughs> please don't tell it." yeah exactly dude they're selling it for so cheap 75 for like that both is trying to sell it for like 300 a dumbbell yep. like or 150 per dumbbell yep. like get out of here i don't want that shit yeah but if if i can get that i think i'm at least in a good place definitely all right before i just start ranting and everybody that's listening is kind of like what the fuck are they talking about um let's hit that stop button